Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. That work starts now. That investing starts now. Who are you investing in that is younger than you are, who will live beyond you? You have to invest, and we call it, I say invest, the Bible says disciple. The two are the same thing. Who are we mentoring? Who are we pouring into? Who is the one you're gonna say, take this and run with it? Living and expressing what really matters to you takes intentionality, doesn't it? It's a never-ending process. Sure, there's going to be times when we don't do it perfectly, just like Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, yet we have to stand up every time we get knocked down. It's in this place where we can be a testament to the faith that helps us again and again and again. You see, it's not about us anyways. So will you start now to spend time with others so that they can see what you value? This is Pastor James's message today. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as Pastor James continues his message, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. favorites in a family is not necessarily a good and wise thing, but that's what they did. It doesn't mean that Isaac didn't love Jacob, but you also, you read through the story. I'm studying back through the story in just preparation for this message, and I'm like kind of getting mad at Isaac. I'm like, Isaac, you're a jerk. Like, there's no hint or indication of like him appreciating Jacob or loving Jacob at all. At all. And again, we don't know much about his life. I mean, Isaac is like, he's like a major character within the Bible, but we know almost nothing about him. Nothing. Other than his name is tagged on like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had a relationship with God, but there's not much known about him. And what is known about him when it comes to him being a father is, well, he loved one more than he loved the other one. You're like, well, that's a bummer. That's not, that's not a dad you should strive to be. But that's, how, that's just how he was. I don't know. He loved Esau. Esau was a man's man, right? He was a man of the field. He, and he, cooked, he cooked Isaac's favorite dishes, venison, right? You like venison? Venison's good, right? Like, it's good stuff. My wife's like, oh, no way. That's gross. Isaac, like, that's his dish, you know? He's like he's sending out Esau to go catch him a deer and dress it and all that good stuff and make him some venison chili. It's amazing stuff. But that, like, he loved Esau. And Rebecca just loved Jacob. And unfortunately, he gets titled like a mama's boy, which he may have been. I don't know. He's, but he, he liked to cook. Esau liked to kill the stuff, right? And so there you go. But regardless of how that family dynamic was going, from all we know, it just didn't seem like a healthy one. I mean, honestly, it just didn't seem like a healthy one. It's kind of weird to say. We, we, again, we, we put these people on pedestals that they don't belong on, right? We look at them, we elevate them as like, oh, Isaac and Rebecca had the greatest marriage ever. Really? Did they? I mean, they're deceiving each other. They're lying to each other. 
They're tricking each other. That's a healthy marriage. That's a good marriage. I don't think that is a good marriage. I'm not saying it's a bad one. I'm just saying if you're looking at some of these characters, and the reason why I'm pulling some of this stuff out is that so we can take heart and be encouraged that like, look who God uses. Look who he uses. He uses people that are a mess just like me. You don't have to have a perfect marriage. You don't have to be the perfect parent. You don't have to be the perfect child. God can still use you. And he still has a role and a, something for us to do. That's what's so cool. That's what's so crazy about this. And, and you have these stories that Isaac has. My favorite story, and it's one of the few ones that's recorded for, for Isaac, is it's found in Genesis. I believe it's Genesis chapter 27. But Isaac goes and redigs the wells that his father had dug. I love that story. I love that story. There's not much to that story other than I love that Abraham had went through the land and dug wells. He went searching for water. And for some reason or another, those, those springs of water, those wells of life, somebody covered them back up. And I think it was the enemy who covered those things back up. And Isaac was like, I'm going to find, I'm going to find that source of life again. I love that. There's, there's some imagery there that, that really just resonates within my heart of a son going after what his dad had already, the work his dad had already done. There's something cool about that, right? But here at the end of Isaac's days, he's now like, I mean, he, he's, he's progressively nearing death's door, so to speak. His vision is failing him. And what he wants is, he wants, he wants a meal from his son, his favorite son, Esau, and he wants to pronounce a blessing on Esau, knowing full well that Jacob is the one who will carry on the, the birthright. It's, it's Jacob. If you're going to be blessing anybody, you need to be blessing Jacob, because that's what God has already told you is going to happen. But Esau's like, or Isaac's like, I got to bless my boy Esau. There's no hint that he had ever planned to bless Jacob. There's no indication of that at all within the scriptures, if you go back to the Genesis. But he's like, Esau, I want you to make me my favorite dish. You come back, I'm going to bless you. Becca hears this. She's eavesdropping. She hears this. Esau goes out to the field and she gets her favorite son, Jacob. She's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put on this animal skin. We're going to dirty you up, make you, smell like, make you smell like an outdoorsman, right? And you're going to trick your dad so that you get the blessing, which is just, it's crazy. Like this is a, a strange family dynamic that's going on here. Maybe what Rebecca should have done is gone to her husband and said, hey, you remember what God said, right? You remember what God said. You have to bless, you need to bless Jacob. Doesn't mean you can't bless Esau because he is going to bless both of them. But one of them had to trick his dad in order to get that blessing. But Isaac still blessed them. This is what's so insane about this. And this is what's been like just messing with my brain all day long. Is like, he's like, He's applauded for his, like, he blessed both his kids. And I'm like, but wait, but wait. One kid had to trick his dad to get that blessing. But he still did it. He still did it. He blessed both of them. And so really what happens here with Isaac, that he, 
It is by faith. He, he received from his dad, Abraham, this promise from God, this spoken word from God. And then he received that, and then he was going to share that with his sons. And that's what he does. That's how he blesses them. At the end of his, of his life, so to speak, he would live for a little bit longer. But at the end of his days, he was going to bless both of his sons. He was going to share with them, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. And for, for Jacob, it was going to be this. And for Esau, it was going to be that. Both would become great nations, right? So to speak, great as in, you know, just numbers and all that. Esau would end up being a problem child for his mom and his dad because he marries two ladies that are Gentile ladies and they drive mama nuts, okay? Just read Genesis, it tells you all about it. And then Esau also wants to murder his brother for stealing his blessing. Good family, just great family, right? Like, I mean, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you're like, well, it sounds like my family reunion I just went to. These are just people. They're just normal people. That's, that's who we're dealing with here. But the thing is, Isaac received that promise and then he communicated that promise to his sons. He received it and then he distributed it. It was through faith. He still knew like, Fellas, boys, this is what God has said, and I'm passing that on to you. And he passes the baton, so to speak, on to Jacob, okay? So it was through faith that he did that. He believed that, and he shared what he believed. This is true. Let me share it with you guys. So now the scene shifts over to Jacob. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, he literally is dying, Okay, this is, these are his last days. He blessed each of Joseph's sons. Remember, Joseph had his two boys represented there. All the sons were gathered back around, around uh, Jacob. Now, Jacob is, you read his story. I like reading the story of Jacob. I appreciate the story of Jacob, but he, there's not a lot of good stuff in Jacob's story. There's just not. There, there really is not. I mean, it starts off as kind of a deceiver, you maybe got that from mama. I don't know, because she like conjured up this plan to trick her husband into, and all that. And then he works for his uncle, who's, you know, used car sales, no offense, used car salesman, none at all. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like he was like, he worked his nephew. Like he got one over on his nephew, right? He, he paid for all the extras, you know, when it came to it. He's like, seven years for my daughter. Oh, whoops, by the way. Not that daughter, I meant that daughter. So now you got to work for another seven years for the one daughter that you actually wanted, okay? Because nobody wanted this first one, so I tricked you into getting her, right? That's his, that's his uncle, that's Laban. But then Jacob tricks his uncle, and then it's just ongoing. And then Jacob wrestles with God, amazing story. And then God's like, all right, enough, that's enough. And he touches his hip, and it becomes disjointed. And forever, for the rest of his life, which is why he's leaning on a cane. He bears that mark of wrestling with God. But that's what God had to do to get a hold of Jacob's, get a hold of Jacob. Like he even showed him miraculous things, the stairway, you know, and all that. And here's Jacob who is bent and kind of broken, leaning on the staff, about to die. He's got all his sons and he's pronouncing blessings upon all his sons, all 12 of his sons. Beautiful story there at the end of Genesis. And he gets to Joseph and he pronounces a blessing on, he basically adopts Joseph's two sons is what happens there. He takes them as his own sons. 
He adopts these guys. And he pronounces blessings upon them, Ephraim and Manasseh, okay? And, and it was, that was an act of faith. That was Jacob taking what he received from his dad, Isaac, who received that promise from his dad, Abraham, and they just shared it to the next generation, to the next generation. Somebody has to take the baton and run the race. Hey, newsflash, death is a reality for all of us. It's a reality for all of us. When it comes, nobody knows. Here's the thing. For Isaac, the finish of his race, he passed the baton on to his sons. Jacob, the end of his race, he passed the baton onto his two adopted sons. They weren't his, right? They were his grandkids, but he adopted them as his own kids. He passed the baton onto them. Joseph himself will pass, so, so to speak, will pass the baton in a whole different way. But Isaac and Jacob at the end of their lives were like, you need to know what God has said. And you need to take that truth and you need to run with it. Application question is this, who are you passing the baton onto? Who's next? Who's next when we're like Isaac? and the light in our eyes is fading. Who are we passing it on to? Who are we passing these great truths on to? When we're like Jacob, and we're bent, and we're broken, I mean, and it's, this is it. Who are, we, who are we placing our hands on? And remember, he did that whole thing of like, I'm placing my right hand on the oldest, and my left hand on the youngest, but no, oh, no, wait, he mixed it up. And he put the right hand on the youngest, and and Joseph himself was like, dad, 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 you got it wrong. He's like, trust me, trust me. And he passed the blessing on to those two young men. Who are we passing it on to? Who are we entrusting the word to? That they will run well after we are gone from here. We have to follow these examples. We have to follow these examples. This is being a doer of the word and not merely a hearer of the word. You have to pass the baton on to somebody else. And you cannot wait until the end. That work starts now. That investing starts now. Who are you investing in that is younger than you are, who will live beyond you. You have to invest. And we call it, I say invest, the Bible says disciple. The two are the same thing. Who are we mentoring? Who are we pouring into? Who is the one you're going to say, take this and run with it. This is the word of God. This is the truth. Take it and run with it. You have to have somebody in your life like that. Have to. I think that's why these examples are here. Isaac promised blessings for the future, and he couldn't promise them any blessings. He had no blessings for them, so to speak. The blessings he's promising them are God's promises. They were never his. I mean, they were given to him, and he helped to fulfill that, but they weren't his to keep and to take to the grave. The blessings and the promises that God has given to you are not yours to take to the grave. They're yours to pass on to somebody else. You have to work on that now. That has to start now. And I'm telling you, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. 
And sometimes we, we shift into neutral, right, or to cruise control. And we're like, probably got some time, right? I checked on death.com and, you know, I got like this many more years to live and probably checked my family history and all that stuff. No, that's nonsensical. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know. And yes, if the rapture happens and there's some kid who you're going to plan to disciple or, and he knows the Lord, well, then you're all, we're raptured out of here and there we go, right? Not our problem anymore, okay? But we don't know when that's going to happen. We have no idea when that's going to happen. We don't even know when, what the number of our days is. Only the Lord knows that. So we have to live in this reality of, I need to be investing now. I need to be investing now. Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. And I, that's kind of, a, a, I think, a, an application that I gleaned from this and just, just reading over this and this week and just listening to teachings and pouring over this is like, man, who's the, next, who's the next one up? Who's the next one up? And be, to be looking for those, those individuals, whoever they are. Even if they're not your biological kids, that's totally fine. They don't have to be. But who, who's the next one up in your life? In, in what God has done in your life, in what you've seen him, how, the stories and the adventures that he has brought you through, who do you grab hold of and say, you know what? Let me tell you about the promises of God. Let me tell you about the word of God. So that's Isaac, and then there's Jacob. That whole story with Jacob and blessing his sons, it's, just, it's, it's really a cool one. It's a beautiful one. You find it at the end of Genesis. And then you have the very end of Genesis with Joseph. Now, Joseph has a a fascinating story here. It says that when he was about to die, so another one on the verge of death, right, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. This is amazing. This is a prophecy, okay? He's basically, he's letting them know, we're not, we don't belong here. This is not our home. Egypt is not our home. We have a home, but this is not it. This is where God has us right now, but this will not this will not be where we stay forever. And he's like, when I die, you will take my bones and you will carry them with you to the promised land. Because I don't even want my bones staying here. Like, I love this about Joseph. Joseph is absolutely one of my favorite, favorite characters from the Bible, the entire Bible. I mean, he's like top three for me. The things that this guy went through. Now, you know, we don't know too much about him in the sense of like his attitude and demeanor when he's a young kid, probably just like a normal younger sibling. You know how they are. I'm one. I get it. I'm the youngest of four. I'm, I probably was a brat. I'm sure I was, right? Joseph could have been that way. I had a dream. I had a dream. Hey, brothers, gather around. Let me tell you about my awesome dream, how you guys were all bowing down to me. Oh yeah, mom and dad, you were bowing down to me too. And they're all like, Joseph, you're grounded, right? Like, get out of here. Like, who, get, let's get this kid out of here. Well, his brothers set him up and then they sell him as a slave. <laughs> they sell him as a slave and then he ends up in Egypt and, and he's in a foreign land with people who speak a whole other language than he does, eating all kinds of different foods than what he's used to, away from family, gets sold as a slave, ends up in this guy who's a leader in Egypt, ends up in his household, and, and the Lord is with Joseph, and people recognize that, man, the Spirit of God is with this kid, and he was just a kid. 
And then he's like being promoted like crazy in, in Potiphar's household. And he's like, you can run my whole house. Like you have access to everything you want in my house. Just don't touch my wife, right? Joseph's like, no problem. Potiphar's wife is like, mm, I don't think so. Because uh, Joseph was a stud. He, looked, he was a handsome dude. She liked him. That ends up getting him thrown into jail, falsely accused of doing something that he did not do. So if anybody would have a, like a reason to be like, you know what, Lord, this, thing, this following you thing is just not really working out well for me, right? <laughs> Everything was stacked against this guy. He's, he's falsely in prison for doing nothing wrong. His brother sold him as a slave. And then they lied to their dad that an animal ate him. I mean, he just went through it all, but every step of the way, God was with him and God blessed him. And at the end of his life, he's like, he reminds his brothers, he reminds his family, this is not our home. When I die, you don't, don't let them put me in a pyramid. Don't let them put me in, you know, or anything like that. I don't, I don't want that. You take me with you to the promised land. You take my bones with you because we don't belong here. And what a, great, what a great word to share with your family and your friends, your loved ones on your way out. Like, this is not our home. This is not our home. This is not our home. I know we've lived here. And God has taken care of us while we were here. And for the, for the Israelites there in Egypt, I mean, they're going to be there for a few hundred years beyond this, the end of that story. But Joseph says, Don't, do not forget and for hundreds of years passed, and they did not forget. One of the things they did when they were going through their pack list, and when they were going to make that exodus out of Egypt, they're like, hey, who's got Joseph's bones? Got them right here. Sweet. Let's go. Like they made sure that they had his bones with them. And he had told them he had that foresight to know well in advance because of God, do not leave me here. Well, Joseph, you wouldn't be there. It's just your bones. It's just your bones. He's like, I don't care. Even if it is just my bones, this is not where I belong. I belong in our home, in our promised land. And that was an act of faith. It was by faith that Joseph, he commissioned them to not leave him behind, to not leave him behind. And as we know, if you look at Genesis chapter 50, Joseph ends up dying. And it, in the whole book of Genesis, ends with death. But then the next book over, it would be Exodus. And then, and that's where we'll spend, when we go a little bit further into Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be looking at Moses. But not just Moses, because there's more to Moses than just himself, which is crazy. When you read through this chapter, you're like, wait a minute, like, okay, Abraham, man of faith, I get that. You know, Enoch, he walked with God, that's pretty cool. Abel. Abel was a man of faith as well. Noah is a man of faith. We understand that. We know that absolutely. Abraham, Isaac, yeah. Jacob, yeah. Joseph, absolutely. Moses, sure. But did you miss Moses' parents? We oftentimes do. They don't get a lot of respect. They don't get a lot of love there, do they? Because we just blow right over those guys, but they had their own act of faith as well. So we're going to look at Moses, his parents, and, and their act of faith. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is going through the heroes of the faith in this series, and I have a question for you. Who is your hero? I asked my son that question, and he said that Esther is his hero because what he struggles with most is fear, and she overcame the fear of death in order to save her people. That's what this series is all about. We look back into the stories of the people who have gone before us in order to see what God is able to do with people who are just like us. They all have weaknesses and failures, but God was able to work through each one of them to accomplish His purposes in the world. And God is able to use you too. You can be weak, you can be fearful, you can be young. It doesn't matter. God is working in the world and He works primarily through His broken and weak people. Thanks for being here today. We love sharing God's story with you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're a group of people of all ages coming together to magnify Jesus and find hope and new life in Him. We'd love to have you come and join us for a Sunday morning service or a Thursday evening. You can find out all about our church on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And if the Spirit leads you, find that donation page and join us in the great work of spreading the light of the gospel in this dark world around us. Well, that's all that we have for today, but we'll be back next time right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.